Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. I'm Bruce Johnson, of course, joined by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello everybody. We're also joined today by our dad, uh, Frank Johnson. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me on, guys. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think this is what? fifth time we've had you on the show you're just kind of a, a regular oh, guest now <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah right <laughs> um yeah so today is discussion topic friday um for those of you who are kind of maybe out of the loop aren't sure like hey when do these discussion topics happen we're doing them every other week now um and we're actually continuing our series on america's poisoned heart so last episode in this series, we talked about a series of injuries. What is wrong with America? All these different things. And we actually talked about how a lot of those are symptoms, right? So they're not exactly the root cause. Some of them may cause other things. Um, just like, for instance, you, you break a bone. If it happens to you know, break through the skin, you're going to have blood loss as one of your things you have to deal with. But that wasn't the root cause. It was the broken bone, right? So, yeah, you got to deal with the blood loss, but you also have to deal with the broken bone. Uh, and one did cause the other. But at that point, hey, we got to address both of them. So uh, today we're going to be addressing a few of those specifically, honing in on uh, a few we're going to talk about in a second. But the main premise of today's episode is we want to talk about how Horace Mann destroyed the family. And we had our dad joined us because that's actually kind of where we first, you know, learned about Horace Mann was from him. <laughs> so we're like, hey, let's go back to where we learned this and uh, have him discuss some of these sorts of things. So um, it's going to be quite the discussion. Before we get into all that, though, we have to do what we always do, which is talk about our verse of the week, which is, of course, never just a verse because that would be crazy to do what it's actually called. This is our passage of the week. <laughs> and uh, this week, whole week we've been talking about Psalm chapter uh, 110 verses 2 through 3. This passage says, the Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the, met in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. In the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. And again, that's Psalm 110 verses 2 and 3. So this whole week we've been talking about this passage and really this whole chapter and how it is the story, the tale, the account of a conquering warrior, a conquering king, right? So at the beginning of the passage, it starts out by prophesying about what is going to happen. And so we talked about how powerful that first verse is, right? The Lord says to my Lord, right? So we already get this, this Trinitarian theology, we get this idea of, of God the Father talking to God the Son. Uh, sit at my right hand, rule and reign until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And we talked about, we've talked about that verse before, but that, that's God's favorite Bible verse, right? That's talked about, quoted the most. If you want to look for the most quoted verse in the Bible, by the Bible, <laughs> that's the passage. It gets quoted in the New Testament more times than any other verse. And that should show you what the the intent, the purpose, the, the, the center message of the Bible is it's God restoring, conquering his enemies, restoring back to this world what it was originally supposed to be. So then we get to this passage 
And so many things begin to unfold, right? We start to see the Lord sends the rod of strength. This is not a weak rod. This is the rod of strength out of Zion, ruling in the midst of his enemies. And we were actually talking about that with uh, dad a little bit before we started uh, early in the pre-show. Um, and he was talking about how <clears throat> there's this, you know, so many people say, you know, how can we possibly expect to do anything? How can we be effective in this world when we're surrounded on all sides by so many enemies? I mean, doesn't it make more sense that Christ would just burn it all to the ground, right? Just raise the whole thing. Why would we, you know, worry with this? I mean, just let's hit restart on the whole thing and then just start over. Well, that's what Christ did on the cross, <laughs> right? That was the restart. That was the reset button. And now we're in the mopping up exercises, right? He's victorious. He conquered his enemies. And now... We're declaring that to the world. Hey, you're conquered by Christ. Just, just thought you should know. <laughs> right? So thy people will be willing in the day of thy power and the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning. Thou hast the dew of thy youth. And I think we talked about this briefly. You know, Psalms, this is why I love the Psalms. They're so poetic, right? They're full of poetry. And so this last part of this passage refers to the very last, I, I believe, refers to the very last verse in this psalm, right? Verse 7 talks about uh, God drinking from the brook after he's defeated all of his enemies, raising his head from the brook. And what do we learn in, in other passages in the Old Testament? For those people who would, who would drink from the brook, they would always have their heads, you know, have their heads up. They would be nervous, you know, looking around for enemies. But that's not what God's doing. Right? He knows he's victorious. He's drinking th from the brook. After he drinks, he raises his head, right? Which means he already conquered. He's reigning. He ruled over all. He conquered all his enemies. He doesn't, he's not scared of his enemies, right? And so I think this last part of this passage talks about that. Thou hast the dew of thy youth, the strength of thy youth, but then also the dew referring to the water at the end of this passage. So anyways, so much more. This is a great passage, um, really good chapter, but uh, let's get into our discussion topic. So, um, so dad, for those of... For those of us who we're, we're fairly familiar with Horseman, but I'm sure there are a lot of people who are probably hearing about, you know, this guy for the very first time, maybe today. Um, let's kick off by just chatting about who is Horace Mann? What is he, you know, what, who was this guy? And then kind of what is he most known for? Um, and why the heck, we'll get into later, how the heck did he destroy the family? Um, but let's start with who is Horace Mann? <clears throat> uh well, this is uh, the time period between 1796, he was born, uh, he died in 1856. So that gives you um, the Civil War, was 1860s, so it give you a rough idea where he was at. It was the 1840s where he did his main thing, 1830s. Uh, he was in uh, Massachusetts, and... Um, it really started in Massachusetts and snowballed from there. The uh, entire nation was ready for him. Um, and um, I don't want to get into that yet. You want me to talk about who he was. Um, he was raised in a Calvinist family, a Protestant Calvinistic family. And Horace Mann, at the age of 12, threw off Calvinism for... Uh, Unitarianism. He denied wow. who Christ was. He denied the Trinity. He denied uh, the deity of Jesus Christ. And um, and this is where he was in... Again, I want to get into the theology. <laughs> who is he? 
uh, yeah, he he just a, a Unitarian pastor, which I forgot the name of the pastors, mm. uh, but a Unitarian pastor at a young age brought him, uh, <clears throat> taught him the importance of education. Horace Mann learned Latin, mm. he learned Greek. He there was he was uh, born in a uh, in a farm community. Parents were very poor. He, um, uh, the only way he could learn was going to the library and just reading books. Uh, wow. Very little education. Uh, but he rose above all of that. He's a very intelligent man. Wow. But, um, hmm. yeah, so that's where he is. Yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's really interesting. The reason we're talking about him, for those in the audience, that's going to become more abundant as we go on. Um but you know, we in this series, uh, we are talking about some of the injuries in America. We're talking about how do we get to where we are today, and so knowing going back in the past and studying some of these things, I did forget though at the beginning to to outline what exactly it is we're addressing. So I'm going to do that really quickly. What the injuries are that we're going to discuss today, and then we're going to jump back into this. So keep in mind what you just heard about Horace Mann, who he is. Um, some of that background, and now you know the time period we're dealing with, so you know how far back this goes, right? We're not talking about the 50s. We're talking about the, the 1850s. <laughs> you know? this, is, this is way, way back in there. Um, but, you know, when we outlined the injuries uh, two weeks ago, included in that were um, divorce rates. We talked about um, uh, church attendance rates, how many people are actually going to church, how many people claim to be Christian. Uh, and then we talked about the family unit, cohesion within the family unit and family staying together, building and creating clans and all those sorts of things. And then, and then we also addressed um, education, right? So education rates. So that clues you in on kind of where we're honing in with our, our discussion today on, on some of these sorts of things. So there's a lot. And what we're arguing is that almost all of those in some way, shape or form were affected by what this dude did in history. Let's see if we can prove that today. <laughs> um, so, so Horace Mann, he was Unitarian, came out of a Calvinistic background. That's really interesting. I, did, I didn't know about that. That's, that's very interesting. Um, it's funny because usually you hear about it the other way, like come out of Unitarianism and you come back into Calvinism, you know, <laughs> you don't hear about people who were Calvinists, like going the other way. So that must've been way out there. Um, so that was his early life. What did he start to do after that? What was it that drove him to do where we know we're heading? We know where, what he eventually did, but what kind of moved him into doing that? Or maybe if you just want to talk about what he's, what he's most known for, what he started and initiated. Well, his um, before that in early America, uh, Christians set up the university. Now mm. that word university, it's unity within diversity. Okay. Now mm. there's diversity of uh, of education, all in the unity of Jesus Christ. Now, when I say the Jesus Christ, I'm not just saying a basic gospel. I'm talking mm. about the entirety of Scripture. Um, it, that 
scripture was the foundation. So when you talked about law, it was biblical law. When you talked about, um, uh, you know, besides law, what was there? Uh, you know, anything in education. Sciences, literature. You know, philosophy. Yeah. It, it's yeah. biblical philosophy. Everything yeah. pointed to Jesus Christ. So when, <clears throat> when a, wow. a young man was trained, a, a young man who was not a Christian would come in to the university. And when he left, he was a Christian. <laughs> You know, wow. it, it, the, the university trained men to be Christian. And this is what wow. created a Christian nation is because yeah. Christians were dedicated to educating everyone. You know, it didn't say, mm-hmm. well, you have to be a Christian to come in here like we do with Christian schools today. In this Christian university, we said, no, bring everyone in. Bring those <laughs> deists in here. We're going to convert <laughs> them. You know, yeah. and that's that's how America was. That's wow. That was the Christianity of the day. Mm. But then, how far are we fallen? Yeah, wow. Yeah, there was a, a point in time, and I'm not 100 percent sure when. If you could pinpoint, I think there were the earlier Puritans who were very strong. The latter Puritans were much weaker, <clears throat> and and you could say, wow. oh, here's a Puritan who wasn't so hot. Here's a Puritan that was just fantastic. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, you know, Christianity started pulling back. But the number one thing that happened in Horace Mann was not the problem. The problem Mm. was a dead Calvinism. And what I mean by that Calvinism, which is the true doctrine of the Christian faith uh, of salvation started backing off and saying that we're only concerned about the spiritual, not the physical, Mm. that we're concerned about people getting to heaven Yep. And even having a spiritual walk with their Savior. But yep. they did not talk about the kingship of Jesus Christ and wow. the conquering of the nations. Yeah. So here we have a dead Calvinism that stopped talking about the kingship of Jesus Christ. And it was prime time for a man like Horace to move in and say, we're going to build a kingdom, not the kingdom, mm. a kingdom. And what is that kingdom? The kingdom of education. We're going to create our own post-millennialism. We're going to conquer this earth through education, not through the blood of Jesus Christ, but through education. And go ahead. It's funny how like even, well, this is true that the, that the unbeliever thinks that they're going to win. And that causes them to be so effective. Because yeah, yeah. confidence and being hopeful is so powerful that even the unbeliever, when they use it, it 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 works. Yes. Um, yeah. Who was it that uh, the, I remember the first Fight Left Feast conference we went to, um, South Dakota? Yeah, that was Ben Merkel. That's right. Yeah, and he said you may not be you know post mill mm-hmm. or believing in infant baptism, but the left does, and that's why they're winning, right? Like those two doctrines of believing that Christ owns the future, not the devil, mm-hmm. and believing that the children are important and that they belong to whatever the central worldview is, right? We believe the children belong to God. Covenant children belong to God. That's why we baptize them. And then we believe that uh, the, the future belongs to Christ. Those two things 
are what the left believes in their own perverted way. They believe they will control the future and they know that if they believe that and they go after the children, they'll be victorious, at least for a little while, right? And that's exactly what they've done. It's exactly what they're doing. Now, uh, did you have, you wanted to bring up another quote you were saying or? Yeah. Um, well, just to talk about Horace Mann, he obviously did not go to the scriptures to get a view of education. He mm. went, he went to uh, Germany and he oh. saw the, the <laughs> what was called the Prussian education system. And he saw hmm. that Germany was able to destroy the culture and get everyone on board with um, their their system, their wow. uh, you know the the pledge of allegiance to Ideological. the government rather yeah. than to God. That wow. so that there was unity, and they had to have unity. But the unity was not in Jesus Christ. The unity was in the greatness of the nation that, mm. you know, will pledge allegiance to the nation, not to Jesus Christ. And th this is a, exactly what he did. Um, of course, he thought that uh, the, uh, the school was the salvation of the world, that not Jesus Christ, that he would conquer the, the world mm. through the, the public school system and mm. he would destroy uh, there's a lot of Marxist a lot of uh, socialistic ideas in, in all that he said in making everyone uniform making yes. everyone the same get rid of any kind of diversity within yep. within the, the people uh, yeah and so this brings us exactly to where um, I think it's very apparent very obvious why now we're discussing this. Um, so we've kind of brought some, we've brought ourselves up to the point where, <clears throat> oh, this is how Horace Mann destroyed the family. <laughs> right? We can begin to, to paint this picture and see what he did. And so <clears throat> the biggest thing that I'd love to hone in on a little bit and discuss is the government education system. So prior to the government education system, what did it look like? Um, I think you both can probably weigh in on this a little bit um, uh, about the history of it, but what what was the, the the landscape of education? We've talked about the universities, but prior to that age, what predominantly did it look like in, in the U.S. for education? Well, <laughs> it it wasn't pretty, hmm. and it a lot of it was, uh, in my opinion, and there's there's other Christians who disagree with this. My opinion, it fell back on the Puritans. Uh, what the Puritans wanted to do is use the government to force education. Now, it wasn't that the government was going to have their own education system, but the Puritans wanted to find people who did not educate their children. Mm. They, they wanted to force people to, to not have an option of homeschooling that they wow. had to send their children somewhere. Wow. So despite the Puritans being as good as they were in doctrine, yeah. especially in the doctrine of salvation, they, they did not have a biblical view of education. Mm. And, and I don't know if at one time they did and that changed, but, uh, yeah, but they did not in, and they were already 
not depending on the the power of the Holy Spirit. They were trying to force uh, the American people through uh, fines in in preventing people. So the idea of Horace Mann actually creating a government school for most people, because they had the burden of paying for education forced by the Puritans, that Horace Mann was giving them something far greater because they still had to be forced into education. Yeah. Um, But now that education was free. Mm. So it was a real win for everyone, including the Christians. They, they fell right into it. Um, Mm. You know, they, they, especially, you know, and there is a, the South and the North uh, in the Northern part of the United States uh, jumped right into uh, government education the the South uh, had to be forced into it through Reconstruction. Uh, the You're, South uh, was was much yeah. stronger in its uh, you know in its faith. They you know parents wanted to train their children, so, they, so it was much stronger in the South. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, we have about ten minutes left. I'd love to spend five minutes in this thirty minute episode and discuss why it's so important that the family handles the education of their children and why we would say that the parents, that responsibility being given to the civil government has destroyed the family. Would you be able to speak to the importance and maybe the biblical reasons why the parents should be training their children and how not doing that could destroy the family? I don't think the government has the, um, uh, has not been given by God the understanding, the uh, the ability to train children. The, mm. the the father has, the the family has, the mother working together uh, with the father in training children. They have what's necessary uh, in cooperation with the church, but definitely not the government. The government is God's. Um, uh, deaconess, God's servant to punish evil. And that's the limitation of our government to, to say, well, we're going to th- let the punisher educate children. <laughs> that's just silly. <laughs> no way. It can't be done. Great we need, right. <laughs> how are, how is the military going to train children? Well, obviously <laughs> they're going to do it wrong. You know, I, you know, I yep. mentioned uh, Germany. Well, look look at how they train children. We're, we'll train them all up to be soldiers, uh, in in essentially slaves of the state. Um, you know, so that's a a huge problem. But yeah. um, but it, it is the parents who who can lovingly <clears throat> train their children, uh, to uh, to be, uh, Christians who know how to conquer this earth, who mm. are free thinkers who are able to stand up to tyranny and and say no I'm not going to do this it doesn't matter if I lose my job I'm going to do what is right and yeah. actually Amen. have a foundation for truth mm-hmm. have a phil- philosophical biblical philosophical understanding of truth yeah. falling back to God's word is truth in mm. in saying from that foundation 
I'm going to uh, live righteously before the Lord. Where the government wants obedience and nothing more, just blind obedience. Yeah. So, and I think it's. Oh, go ahead, Jake. Well, no, I was going to ask a question to kind of round this out, but if yeah. you have a point to speak to. Just a really quick point. Um, yeah. I think it's because we are talking about how Horace Mann destroyed the family. I think it's important to note that the fundamental, one of the fundamental responsibilities of the family is to train up their children. Right. Mm-hmm. And the book of Psalms is chock full of this. I think it's Psalm 70 that talks about, we will not hide these stories. We will not hide our history from our children, but we'll teach them diligently. And Psalm 70 is like one of the biggest Psalms. It's absolutely massive, but it tells the story of several generations where the first generation was directly, uh, you know, impacted by God, given the law, given all these great things, they did well in the sight of the Lord largely. And what did they fail to do? They failed to teach their children, right? The families didn't train their children. So what happened? The next generation went berserk. Families destroyed. The earth was destroyed, right? And then there arose a group of people who said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to train our children. And then what happened? Prosperity, right? When those families started to train their own children, the land was prosperous again, right? And the families were cohesive. They were stronger. They could defend from invaders. They, you know, they were biblical, in structuring a society because they were able to train their own children. And so I think by commandeering the responsibility of the family, the civil government was able to destroy the family, (laughs) right? By commandeering what the family was given to do, fathers, train up your children in the nurture, the acculturation, and admonition of the Lord. When they took that away, you get impotent families. You get families that, well, what do I do? I guess I'll go work. And then you have husband and wife working and it becomes fruitless, right? Because that, that work, that labor is good, but it it needs to be used for something, right? It needs to be used the way that God's said it should be used. And God, you know, all throughout the Psalms, we see children are arrows of the family, arrows of the father, arrows of the mother, right? So there's, there's this whole uh, worldview built around that. And when you dismantle it, the whole thing crumbles, right? Uh, go ahead, Jake. What were you going to say? So the, the last question that I think we should end with here is going back to kind of our theme, this entire, uh, this through this entire, uh, section uh is the america's poisoned heart and talking about some of the causes and the symptoms of our nation so Mm. talking about this uh the education system what might be some of the symptoms that we would see in a nation where the education system or even the family as we're talking about and with its destruction, what might some of the symptoms be? What is a nation? Uh, mm. What what does a nation look like if that was to happen? Yeah. Yeah. How does it fall apart? What are some of the? Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm gonna kind of uh, take this over. Uh, yeah, it, go for it. My main thought is the authority of scripture. Mm. Um, in that our nation in, in we have gotten into a resurgence of this through Cornelius Van Til, 
through Greg Bonson, uh, and many others like him, uh, where we've gone back to saying the authority, the scriptures are authoritative, and you cannot have knowledge without the fear of the Lord. Mm. So we start with God, and we work out from that. You know, again, going back to university, unity, uh, diversity within uni the unity of Jesus Christ. So I, I think what has happened and uh, is that in the same way that Horace Mann, he did not go to the scriptures for uh, his understanding of education. He went to a corrupt government. He went to Germany. He went to the, the Prussia education system, uh, which was uh, natural law. Corruption. <laughs> there okay? it is. Uh, at some point, we were going to talk about natural there it law. Is. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> but this is Horace Mann was one of the biggest proponents of natural law mm. because it got him away from the Bible. Yep. And this, this is the biggest problem of natural law, natural theology, in that it says man can do this. I can figure this out without God. I can figure this out without God's word. I can, um, I, I can determine this for myself. And that is why he hated Calvinism so much. Because Calvinism mm. says you, your mind it has been destroyed through your sin. You, yep. they, you cannot lean on your own understanding. And so Horace... Horace Mann, he he did everything. He believed he could be the savior through education, yep. rather than going to God's word and starting with the foundation, the word of God, and working from the bottom up, mm. and working and saying only through special revelation can we have true education. Start with God, look at what he tells us about education, and then work from there. In every area of life is to be conquered. And I use the word conquered, but every area is to be sifted through the mm. word of God. You know, yeah. right down to plumbing, right down to HVAC, <laughs> every area, music, everything is to be sifted through the word of God. Yeah, so yeah. we have a full biblical in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord. Mm. And Amen. we have that as a focus in our education. And that will restore American education. I need the uh, Chocolate Knox organ right now. <laughs> that was fantastic. Well, thank you, Dad, so much for joining us. Um, I think this was a great conversation. Um, if there were people who hadn't heard of Horace Mann before, I think this gave them some great stuff to look into. Um, so we really appreciate everything you, you provided. So thank you so much. You're welcome. <clears throat> um, thank you to Jake for joining in on the conversation. This was awesome. This is great. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you in the audience had any questions, send them our way, trdshow at protonmail.com, or just drop a comment. We'd love to hear from you. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back on Monday where we discuss current events once again from a biblical perspective. Until then, have a great rest of your, great rest of your weekend. I can say words. I've only been doing it for a half hour. Uh, have a wonderful Lord's Day. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord.